You have been listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning. You know, it's a privilege ever I have the opportunity to share and to, to, to be with you to speak on a morning like this. I, it takes me about 30 to 40 hours to prepare a message like this on a Sunday morning. And some of you are going, well, I've heard you preach before. You need a lot more time than that. But you know, when I think about that and all the time that takes, I think about our pastor and week in and week out, just how much time and investment he puts in preaching excellent Bible-based messages every week. Well, praise God for our pastor. What is your life about? What's your life? What I love about day three is that many of you in here already get everything I'm going to say. You're committed. You're surrendered to God. You're committed to serving. You're waiting for that next assignment. You live to serve God. You know, our church is a generous church. I love it. I love when we get around OCC and watch your generosity, other projects, just the giving week by week. It's really outstanding. And for those of you like that, that are totally geared in, maybe this message will be a a message for you just to spur you on, to excel still more in what God would have you do. In the book of James, it says that our tongue sets on fire the course of our life. And life comes down to a few defining moments. One defining moment was when I was 16 years old and I was a brand new believer. And I had a friend that was coming over to take me to what I normally was doing for a couple years at that time, which was going to the bars in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I lived in Omaha, South Omaha, and basically what I would do is go over because over in Council Bluffs, they didn't really check IDs or they were okay with fake IDs, okay. And so I could go over there and I could drink even when I was a young kid. And I would go over there and I'd get drunk and I'd gamble. And I was addicted to gambling since I was about 10 years old. So Jesus came into my life, and my life started to change. My spirit and my heart started to change. And you know, Mark came over. He was coming over that day to pick me up, and he was kind of frustrated. They actually had to come to the door of my house to get me. And he got to the door, and he said, Newell, are you coming? And I said, you know, I'm going to stay home. Couldn't even believe the words I was saying. I'm going to stay home and read my Bible. He's like, are you serious? You know, he left. That was a defining moment for me. You know that day when I stayed home that day? I read all of Matthew and half of the book of Acts. And that night, I fell in love with the Word of God, and it transformed my life. Life is about defining moments, decisions, no matter what age you are. They can be made at 12 or 80 that can change the course of your life. James also says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Today could be a defining moment in your life to go deeper. Now, just imagine, I don't know all of you, but I'm telling you, if you're like any other congregation, any other people, right? There are people in this room that are living a double life or are double-minded And maybe today that could be a defining moment for you. Or maybe your life is just boring. And today could be a defining moment for you to get into God's great adventure. You know, when I grow up, I want to be on a great adventure like April Johnson. And I know you just got, some of you got that prayer request and we got that prayer request who surrendered all to go minister to people in a difficult situation. And now she's suffering, she's sick. But that's what I want to be like when I grow up. Or I want to be like the pastor in Central America 
who continues to distribute and share the gospel through OCC shoeboxes in spite of the fact that four of his best friends have been murdered for the gospel and for sharing the gospel. What do you want to be like? What do you want your life to be like? Let's pray. Father God, I just ask this one thing, that you would far beyond me to speak this morning your word, your way, and use this, Father, to draw people closer to you, to serve you more. You're worthy of that honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Exchanging empty exploits for a chance at the great adventure. Would you read this? Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with this same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, the rest of the time that we're living, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. What motivates you deep in your heart? Now, I'm not saying what do you want me to think motivates you as you sit in the chair. I'm asking you what motivates you. I mean, you're hoping to be famous someday? You know, like the, you want to be really on the American Idol? You're hoping for more money? Your ship will come in? That's what drives you? Maybe it's prestige. It's a position in your company. You're moving up the ladder? I know something that's motivated me too much in my life is, is my concern of living through my kids, living through my kids. And I was too concerned about what they were doing in their sports or work and all that stuff. And it's like, that was too important to me for a while in my life. What motivates you deep in your heart? Is it security? Food, control, power. In the book of James, it says, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits. What are you chasing? Is it the right girlfriend? What are you chasing? This is, this is London. She's five months old. Lauren and Scott, Scott Urquhart. Next verse. See? I want you to read this with me. As he had come naked from his... And this is a she, but let's say, as she had come naked from her mother's womb, so she will return as she came. Just so you know, you will take nothing from the fruit of your labor. Nothing that you can carry in your hand. Naked as you came, that's the way you're going to return. She was going to punch me there for a minute. <laughs> See, when she came out, just about guaranteeing Scott and Lauren can verify this, she was as naked as could be. And that's the way she's going to return. Thank you. See, what motivates you really deep in your heart? Is it some exploit, something you're pursuing that you can't even take beyond this world once you die? That's an empty pursuit. I'm not asking you to think about the way you portray yourself to others. I'm asking you to go deep in your soul just for a minute and ask yourself, as if you were standing before the Lord this morning, what really motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What keeps you going? Or maybe you've given up on life. Maybe you've kind of checked out all the worries of the world, things that are going, things are crazy now, right? And it didn't end yesterday, did it? <laughs> it's still crazy. But you kind of wondered, didn't you? Not if you read the word, you didn't really wonder. Some of you, maybe your life just sort of, you checked out, and maybe you just exist. I want to tell you, you know, I've met a lot of Christians and their lives, just some of them just don't seem to work. Their lives are just kind of one bad decision after another that leads to going nowhere. Their lives just don't seem to work. And the reason is, they're living a double life. 
some, they seem perpetually unhappy. Their life may be an adventure, but man, they're headed for a crash. Then there's other people I talk to, and one moment they can talk to me about Jesus, but the next moment they could be living with their girlfriend. Do you know what I'm saying? And then there's those Christians. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. And adventure is not your problem. Maybe in your situation in life, your life is just boring. You know, you eat, you get up, you eat, you work, you go home, you watch TV, you go to bed so you can get up, eat, work, watch TV, go to bed so you can get up and eat and work and what, right? I want you to know God has more than that for you. He invites you to a great adventure if you'll get rid of your empty exploits. Do you know why sometimes lives don't seem to keep working out? Because many of us are holding on to our life. We're trying to steal second base with one foot stuck on first base, the base of our life. Christianity is a life exchange. Could you repeat that with me? Christianity is a life exchange. See, you don't simply ask Jesus into your heart. See, the whole point is this. Jesus has offered us, in view of God's mercy, he's offered us forgiveness. He's offered us incredible forgiveness. He's offered us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have opportunity. We receive that forgiveness. What an incredible deal. And in exchange, we give him our life. He's not looking for an hour. He wants your life. He wants your life. It's an exchanged life. You were bought. Do you know the scripture says this? You were bought with a price. Does he own you? Does he own you? And I know for many of you, he absolutely does. If you'll surrender all to him, I promise you this. God will move you toward a great adventure. If, if you will exchange your empty exploits, if you're one of those people who's living a double life, you're one of those people that is living, you, you, your life is not exciting. You're wondering when it's going to start. And the bus keeps passing you by. If you surrender all, he'll give you a great adventure. You know, I want to be more like my wife, Wendy. Now, if you know my wife, Wendy, then she leads the worship ministry. Besides leading worship, she leads the worship ministry at day three. And, you know, I'll just see if I can brag on her just a little bit, if you'll allow me to do that. You know, she's really an amazing, amazing person. You know, just recently, she's off leading four different big worship events where she leads worship for these big events. And she comes back and she leads worship here. She can't wait for the opportunity to come back and lead worship here. And then um, she, in the middle of all that, she's doing our taxes because she has a full-time job in our ministry where she does just about a, a ton of things in our ministry. This last time she went out, she was in California leading this worship event for this retreat or, you know, several hundred people and they were out, did an OCC event, Operation Christmas Child event. She gets done leading that. She has to drive to LAX. She gets on a plane and she's heading for London. And she's going to London because she's going to minister with one of our clients. And she's going to start the process of doing a ministry evaluation with one of our clients. And then she gets back just in time. And she's recovering from jet lag just in time to go back and have another surgery this resulted from past cancer experience because she schedules her surgeries around her ministry. You don't have time to serve? I'm just saying. And you know why Wendy can do that? And I see people talk to us all the time. They're like, you know, Alan, Wendy, if you keep living like you're living, one of you is going to have a heart attack. You know, you're going to go to your grave early. And Wendy and I will look at each other. We have this conversation all the time. We say, you know, that may be true. We want to keep our life balanced. We want to do the right thing. But I can say, we'd much rather have that than boredom. Because God's got an adventure. And why is, why is it that Wendy can be used in all those different ways? I'll just tell you simply this. Because she is surrendered. Oh, by the way, the woman can't get enough time with her grandkids either. 
She's totally surrendered. Are you to- Does God own you? Are you totally surrendered? Does your life work? Give up your life. Exchange your double life if you have one, a boring life if you have one, and give it up today and begin working for the Father. Embark on his adventure. Embarking on the Father's adventure, working for your dad. I was at the hospital the other day at Baptist in Winston-Salem. Maybe some of you have been in that waiting room before. It's kind of a weird place going to hospitals like that when you're waiting for things to happen. I was there waiting on Wendy's surgery, and this group of people started talking. And this one man says, he's, you know, they're going into surgery. And he says, do you think, do you think the preacher's going to show up? And the woman says, I don't think so. I said, well, did you call the church? Yeah, I called the church and left a message. Did you call his cell phone? He doesn't turn on his cell phone. Well, do you think he's going to be here? No, I don't think the preacher's coming. They were so frustrated. They were so angry. They were so upset at the preacher. Do you know what's sad to me about that? Is they misunderstand the role of the pastor. Just the fact they call him the preacher. Now, I'm sorry. I know some of you do that. I don't mean that as an offense. I'm just saying, if that's the way you view the pastor, you're misunderstanding the role of leadership in the church. Let's look at the next verse, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the... Here's the, here's the reason why Christian leadership exists. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of what? Serving. See, the idea is to get you to do the visiting, to get me to do the visiting, to get me to share the gospel, to get me to serve the children. Pastor was never meant to do that. For the equipping of the saints. Next slide. Three quick words. Equipping is the word katartismos in the Greek. And it means it's an old word that means to heal or mend. See, the idea is that pastors teaching, the, uh, teaching whether it's third grade or fifth grade or the home groups or home teams that we have, is that the teaching there ought to be focused on healing, mending your souls so that you will what? So that you will serve. And the word for service, we heard last week, uh, one of the words for service is uh, from the word deacon or diaconia, and it can mean two things there, a ministry or an actual deacon. Okay, and then the second, next word is building up. I'll let you say that word yourself, but it's building a home or a temple. That's the idea. The work of Christian leaders, the purpose of Christian leadership is to get the body involved in the building project. And there's a lot of different ways to measure the success of a church. And if attendance is the only way we measure it, we're missing the point. Because, I mean, we might as well just start doing what Walmart's doing, if that's all that matters, because they sure seem to get a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And the parking lot's always full. But how do we measure effectiveness in a church? Is if we are serving, if we're worshiping God and serving God. That's how we measure effectiveness. See, the role of the pastor, that's his job. That's what Daryl. That's what Pastor Lynn are about doing, is to get us involved with the ministry. Next verse. And the idea is, let's build something together like that Lowe's commercial. That's it. And coming, I'm just going to read the first two verses here. And coming to him as to, listen to the words, as to a living stone, this is about Jesus, which has been rejected by man, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, You also, that's us, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to just see several things in this. Let's take a look at a few words. Um, One of the things about this passage is you'll see that God is in the business of building temples in the Old Testament. He built the tabernacle with Moses and the people. Do you remember that? Some of you remember that. Then he built Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was built. And then Zerubbabel's temple was built. But today, God is building 
his temple, and he's not using what? Hay. He's not using bricks, and he's not using straw. What is he using? Living stones. That's the whole idea of the purpose of Christianity from here until the day Jesus really does return, is that you and I would be involved in the building project together. So I want you to see that in light of this verse. And the next thing I want you to see is that every believer, do you see where it says the priesthood? Every believer is a priest. Did you know that? It's not sit in the pew is all you have to do. Right? See, in real Christianity, it's something amazing. It's not 20,000 people in the stands, and there's 10 people on the court, and they get to do the shooting. See, in real Christianity, it's so amazing. And many of you know this because you and I, we get to shoot the baskets. We get to score the goals. We're the stars on the team, right? Every believer is a priest, and it's like this. It's like as if I were to say every believer is a pastor. Every believer is a minister. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're 13, if you're 80, if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're a teen, if you're retired, if you're a believer in, do you know that? Every believer is a priest of the living God. And you have an opportunity, the privilege of serving the king. Every believer is a priest and every believer is called. Every believer is called. I've had this happen many times in life. I used to teach at Denver Seminary in Denver, Colorado. And uh, I've had many people when I was living in Colorado come up to me and do this. And I've had many people throughout my time in ministry come up to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, I've been called to the ministry. I've been called to the ministry. How do you think I should prepare? And my response is real similar in all the situations. His brother We're all called to the ministry. If you're a believer, you're called to the ministry. I was in a church one day, and I went to the back of the church. This guy's standing there. I'm getting to know him. Hey, how's it going? What's happening? He's sharing a little bit with me. I said, so how do you serve? How do you serve at the church? He says, well, you know, I don't really serve at the church. Okay, fine. Well, where do you serve? You know, how do you live out your faith? Well, I don't really have a place where I serve. Not really doing, you know, anything like that at all in my life. Brother, are you a believer? Because, see, real believers will serve. Every believer is called to ministry. And the best thing you can do, you want to you be a pastor someday? I mean, this is my response to those people when they say that. Is start serving now. Serve our children. Serve our youth. Serve our junior high kids. Lead a home team. Go on a mission trip now. Start serving right now. It's not like you're going to go to seminary and it's going to turn you into a strong believer, right? You only go in there with what you got when you came in. Start serving wherever you're at now. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 60, or 80. Start now. You're called. Everybody's called. Serving like communion is a privilege for believers. It's an honor. Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Doesn't sound like he's asking for an hour a week, does it? Doesn't sound like that. Present, let's look at a couple of these words. The word present means this. It means to place your life at his disposal. Place your life at his disposal. Not a part, but your whole life. The word spiritual, legizomai, it means the, this is the rational thing you should do. Worship, latruo, means religious service. And the whole idea is this. Serving is an expression of gratitude for what Jesus has done for you. Just how grateful are you? Serving is an expression of gratitude that places your life on the altar as a sacrifice for what Jesus has done for you. It's the logical thing that we priests ought to be doing. 
God is not asking you for one hour or one week. He's asking you for your life. And once you give him your life, he'll give to you an amazing assignment. See, once you've given him your life, he'll give to you an amazing assignment. Now, we're just about you know, in the middle here, so I want to make sure that you're just hanging with me. So I'm going to throw this. I didn't do so good with that throw. You could pick it up and throw it to me. I think we should throw it over there just to make sure these people are paying attention. You ready for that? All right, there we go. He's ready. All right, somebody else over here? Look out. Oh! In the first service, these people were snatching out of the air. All right. I want you to think of something for me right now. I want you to think of something in your life that has little or no monetary value that has tremendous value to you. Something that has little or no monetary value that has tremendous value to you. You got it? Think about it. Think of one thing. My daughter Becky, she was in the first service and she used to play basketball at Colorado Christian University, a Division II school. And like many schools, they would all get in a huddle at the beginning of the games. You know what I'm saying? They get in a huddle at the beginning of the games. And they would all get excited. And then she turns around. Hold on that just for a second. And so she turns around. She locates me in the stands. And she throws this to me. Could have been a dangerous thing there, right there. And I caught it. And I read it. She threw this very ball to me. Pops, thanks for all the amazing support. And in true Becky fashion, she said, I love you so dang much. You're the best pops a girl could have. Philippians 4.3, play for the audience above. Philippians 2.14, shine like a star in the universe. Now that, you could buy that for 25 cents. But that has incredible value to me. Now let me ask you, how many in here, that item that I just asked you to think about, how many of you thought of an item where there's a relationship involved? Raise your hand. Okay, many of you, most of you. The relationship between a father and a daughter. Catch this. The relationship between a father and a daughter infuses incredible value into something that seems meaningless. Just like it infused value into that thing that you're thinking about. And in the same way, in the same way, catch this. The relationship between a father and a son, the relationship between our God and Father and the power of the gospel infuses value, incredible eternal value into every seemingly menial task in a church. I'm going to repeat that. In the same way, the relationship between my daughter and me infuses value into this white ball. In the same way, the relationship between my father and me, the father and you, and the power of the gospel infuses incredible value into every task that is done at a church. Let's look at the next verse. Each assignment in God's kingdom can impact the world. If you'll find your amazing assignment, every you don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to London. You can impact the world right here, right now. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men. Listen to the qualifications. I thought they were just waiting on tables. Seven men of good reputation 
and they had to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom to put them in charge of those tasks. There are no menial tasks in the kingdom of God. But they're amazing assignments. They're amazing assignments. You have to find your amazing assignments. Let's look at the next verse. And this, think of this. This really shows how amazing this assignment was. They brought these seven to the apostles. And what did they do? They laid their hands on them and prayed for them. They had a commissioning service for those working at the tables. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that's how we ought to be treating Darren in our children's ministry. That's how we ought to be teaching people that are serving in the nursery, ushers and greeters. Because they have amazing assignments. If they can see those assignments, let's look at the next verse. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Can you get the translation? Then when you serve a child in this church, when you serve an adult, a needy person in this church, when you care for a widow, when you care for someone, do you realize you are touching Jesus Christ? I didn't say it. He did. The next verse. As each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whether they're teaching two-year-olds, right, Krista? Or five-year-olds or ten-year-olds. As if, and that's the way Krista takes her ministry. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with God supplies. Right, Elaine? So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. See, just like this ball, there are two ways to see every task in this church. There are two ways to see every task in this church. You can see it as just a plane, or you can see it as Jesus would see it. See, our greeters, do you get this? Every Sunday, they have an opportunity. If you serve as a greeter, every Sunday, you have the opportunity to touch every person in the entire Day 3 congregation. You have a chance to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to every person in the day three congregation, and you have no idea where they've come from that morning. You don't know if their wife just left them, if they just discovered there's some sin in their spouse's life, if they've just lost their job. You don't know if, if um, they've just heard that they've got cancer. You don't know, but you have the opportunity to help a visitor understand the love of Jesus Christ. We have visitors every Sunday. What a powerful, impacting ministry that is. If you understand it as an amazing assignment. Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky is about 20,000 people. And Les Hughes, who's one of the pastors there, he said this to me because he was there when the church was 2,000 he was there today when it was 20,000. He said, our ushers and greeters have absolutely transformed our church. That's why it's grown. Because they love people that are coming through the door so much. Can you imagine that? And how about nursery or children's ministry? I mean, you can see it as, hey, they're a diaper changer. I wouldn't want any part of that ministry. Or you can see it who has a person that has the opportunity to change the world. I want you to think about those people that serve in our nursery and our children's ministry. And the impact they have on a life. You parents, you have children? Raise your hands if you have children. Raise your hands if you have grandchildren. Okay, that's just about everybody in here are pretty close. Do you see my point? You can minister to one child in a powerful way. You can demonstrate the love of Jesus, love of Jesus to a, a person that's 18 months old, to a child that's 18, to a child that's 5, a child that's 10. But you're not just demonstrating the love of Jesus to them. You're demonstrating it to their family. Because when you love my kids, you love me. Isn't that right? When you love my grandkids, you love me. And by the way, I just want to say this. 
I know it seems a little hot in here. Maybe it's just me. But that's totally fine. I could, it doesn't matter. And my brother tells a story of going to where, uh, Sierra Leone where it's about 112 degrees. If you're feeling that, just forget about it. We're going to be okay. And we're not going to worry about any distractions. We're just going to keep going through because it's, it's about the song said this morning. It's just about what Jesus would have us here. See, you can be a diaper changer or a family changer just depending on what you look at. There was a pastor. He said in our church, the task of serving children had become so ugly in our church. The people so didn't want to serve our children. He said it was like they were taking out the trash. And he was, he was just being real. That's how it had become. Or you can see it as the way Jesus sees an opportunity to impact a child, impact a family, impact the entire day three ministry. A nursery coordinator, a children's ministry director. I've, I work with churches, I work with pastors all over the country and beyond. And what I oftentimes tell them is if you'll take care of your children, value your children, the power that what God's going to do through your congregation because you love your children. And this is what Jesus said about children. Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. It's a chance to change a diaper or an opportunity to experience and see and touch Jesus. How do you see it? See, you can either be the parking lot guy or the parking lot minister. Right? That's what I pray for. I don't pray for our parking lot guys. I pray for our parking lot ministers. Every believer is a minister. Find your amazing assignment. See, you can be a guitar player or a vocalist on the stage trying to do your cool thing. Or you can be a humble servant trying to bring, standing on the altar, bringing people into the presence of God. Our view, how Jesus sees it, changes everything. Now, you can be a junior high babysitter, or you can minister to our youth and invest in the future of a lost generation. That's what Brad and Brandy do. That's what others in our ministry do. But that's not all. If you find your amazing assignment, God is going to bless you. You're going to be able to see it with tremendous impact. You're going to be able to impact the world right here, right now, from your place in ministry at day three. But it's not all because your assignment is not in isolation. You're a part of a team. It's a family adventure. Read this passage with me. For the body is not one member for many. If the foot says, I want you to think of yourselves in this, right? Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less the part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members. God has placed the members. Each one of them in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, some of you think, I don't need the church. You ever felt like that? I can get along on my own. I really don't need to come every Sunday. I don't need to be involved. I can get along on my own. 
But I'm going to tell you something. You may not think you need day three. Day three needs you. And you may not think you need day three, but I want to tell you, you need day three. So many of us live in an isolation. I live up in Lenore. I live right outside of Lenore. And people tell me it's in the city, but I'm telling you, it feels like the country. And I got to tell you, I live there. Our kids are all grown. They're out of the house. It's empty nest. Sometimes it's so empty, I just about go crazy. I need day three. If it wasn't for day three when I came here, how it's given me, helped me emotionally in my own life. Because I have a ton of anxiety issues. Some of you don't have that. I'm just being real with you. But God uses people to minister to my soul. And I was thinking about going to that golf tournament, you know, because sometimes I play golf. I like playing golf. Some people don't call what I do golf. But I like playing golf. And so I thought I was going to go down to that golf tournament that day three was doing, right? How many of you played in that golf tournament before? All right, right. Many of you have done that. And I was going to go a second time I played, and they do something that's called a captain's choice, which is kind of cool. See, normally golf is an individual sport, right, where you hit your own shots, count your own strokes, or count most of them. (laughs) And then, but with a captain's choice, it's really kind of cool because four of you hit a shot, right? And then you play the best shot. So if you hit a terrible shot, you got three brothers to pick you up. It's pretty cool. I kind of like that. It's kind of fun. And so we're playing on this hole. It's a par three. I can't remember the number of the hole, but we're playing on this par three. Now, I prayed when I was on my way down that Doug would have a spot. He had a spot for me. I called him. He had a spot for me. And I was praying for my teammates. And I got Brian Prather and David Ritchie and Ronnie Tolbert. And I was like, yeah, you just answered my prayer. I had no idea if they could play golf or not. I was thrilled to be with them on the team. And we got up to this par three, 183 yards, kind of a hard par three. There's a creek before the green. And I get up, and I mean, I hit a shot, and I dribble one down the fairway. Doesn't even reach the creek. And Brian Prather gets up, and oh my word, I mean, he absolutely crushed the ball. Unfortunately, he hit it 500 yards out of bounds. In fact, I don't know if I've seen Brian here this morning, but I think David would agree with me. He's probably still looking for that golf ball. And David hit one, and it wasn't one of David's best either. And then Ronnie steps up. Boom, baby! He hit that thing right onto the green. See, my brother picked up for our weakness. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. We used all of our different shots that day. See, when the pastor's weak, don't judge him. Don't get upset with him. Fill in. Where he's weak, maybe you're strong. Where's the ministry? And you go, oh, man, I'm tired of the children. They do this wrong. They do that. Look, man, we all can, we all can talk about how things need to be better. Fill in. Maybe you're the strength. Maybe you're the organizational piece that can bring in more administration to particular ministry. Thank God Elaine just stepped up in her ministry. Praise God for her ministry. I know Doug's leaving. He's done a tremendous job with men's ministry, hoping that God will direct the right man to come up and take over what he's developed in men's ministry. Because that's what we do as a body of Christ. Where I'm weak, someone else is strong. Have you found your amazing assignment? Do you understand it's a family adventure? See, we needed Ronnie on that course. And we need Ronnie at day three. We're a family. Some of us didn't grow up here, and so some of you don't like outsiders. And I may be like that cousin you hope doesn't show up to the reunion. But I'm still your family. And you're my family. And that's the way Christianity is supposed to work. 
building something together. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're holding something against someone that's on your ministry team, you're holding something against someone at Day 3 Church, my encouragement to you is let it go. If you've been living a double life, my encouragement to you is may it be a defining moment today. Give it up today. If you have a boring life, it's your chance to get rid of your boring life and to live an adventure with Jesus Christ. And the last point I make is this, the final call. Because see, someday that bus is going to stop coming by to ask if you want to get on it. Someday that bus is going to stop. When my daughter was 10 or 11, I can't remember for sure, we were going on a trip to California, a ministry trip. And I told my daughter if she'd go with me, I'd take her to Disneyland for a day and a half. And so she was so excited. I mean, she served faithfully at the booth. She did a fantastic job. And we were having a great time. And the second day of the conference ended. And now it was time for us to go that evening to Disneyland. I mean, she was excited. She was smiling. She was happy. We were talking. We were laughing. We were out of control with excitement. You know what I'm saying? And so we got to Disneyland. We drove in. And we started going up to the gate. And we got on one of those monorails, right? And drove over to where you can buy the tickets. And so we did that. And we're in the line at the gate. And all of a sudden it hit me. No one else is in the line. No one else is in the line. And then I had a terrible thought. Oh, my word, I remember walking from the parking lot. Why was I walking toward the gate and everyone else was walking away from the gate and then a terrible thought occurred to me oh my word please God don't let it be please God don't let Disneyland be closed and I had to ask the question and I did sure enough the guy said yeah Today, Disneyland closes at 6 p.m. If you could have seen my daughter, the shock, the disappointment, her, her heart, her joy, her life fell out of her and just hit the floor. I was so disappointed. And no matter how bad I wanted that gate to be open. It was closed, and I wasn't getting in. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that's how some of us are going to feel when Jesus returns. We're going to wish the gate were open. We're going to wish we gave up our boring life. We're going to wish we gave up our double life. But it's going to be too late. This is what Jesus said. Work the works of God while it is still light out. While it's still daytime. Because night is coming when no one can work. My brothers and sisters, as you're serving now, keep on serving. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. All right, it becomes a one world government. All right, people are creeping into your, you know, your privacy. You know, the people, all these kind of things happening in the world, it doesn't matter. Keep serving Jesus while it is still day. Keep getting the gospel out. Keep doing your ministry. Keep doing your ministry at day three. Impact the world right where you are at day three. Because it's still light out. And the day is coming when you won't be able to do that any longer. Let's pray. And I just want to ask you, as we, I want you to be thinking about this as I pray you know today is a chance for you for some of you maybe it's one of you a defining moment it's a defining moment maybe you have been living a double life and those around you don't even know but today you have a chance to give that up maybe you've been living a boring life and you don't even want to admit it but today, God has spoken to you, and you want to admit it, and you want your life to change. 
Maybe you've been serving, kind of ho-hum, doing your, your task. But today you understand that it's a great, amazing assignment. And you want to serve in a whole different way with greater commitment and energy and love. If there's a commitment like that that you want to make this morning, when I start to pray, when the band starts to sing, I, I just encourage you, just come out from where you are and just come to the altar. Come to one of us if you need prayer. Happy to pray with you. Happy to talk with you. And, and just have you pray here alone or either way. Or maybe God will just work with you as you're standing there, as you're singing the song, that you would make a decision today on what you've heard. As it is still light out. Father God, we worship you. And I praise you, Father, that you've saved me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And I praise you for the amazing assignment that you've given me. And I thank you for the men and women here that serve. God, please, I pray, Father, if it's one person or several, but Lord, if you, Holy Spirit, are doing something in their heart that you would do that work and finish that work, whether it's in their seat or they come to the altar, whatever, Father, you know it doesn't matter to me other than I just pray that people would be open to making the decisions you need them to make this morning. That's what I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As they sing, if the Lord leads, come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Basin Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.